Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Managing exposure to fraud continues to be a key priority for many businesses, but why is it still such a common problem? We're back for the third and final episode on this year's Business Payments Barometer, reviewing what financial decision makers had to say about the impact of payment fraud and financial sanctions, and what the next 12 months is looking like from that particular perspective. Hello, I'm Rich Williams, host of the Payments Podcast, and with me today is James Richardson, Head of Market Development for Fraud and Risk at Bottom Line. Hi, James, and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Rich. Great to be here. So, James, we've seen some notably consistent trends across the past five years of the barometer, and I suppose it's good news to see that security and fraud prevention, as it was uh, deemed at the time, is still in the top three drivers of change. But does this mean that it's still on the mind of businesses of all sizes? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, yes, is the simple answer. Um, probably more so now than um, than before as a result of the, the current COVID situation, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to. Um, it's been in the top three drivers since the start of this survey uh, a few years back. So... Um, I'm not surprised that it's still there. Um, I think it's um, in it, and it's absolutely right that it's um, that it's still very much top of mind for businesses. Um, and that's a good thing because it, it's as vital as ever. Um, and I guess, you know, related to to COVID is a is a great example of how, unfortunately, this is seen as dare I say it, a fabulous opportunity for fraudsters um, who are always looking for an inroad, an angle, um, and they don't stop in a pandemic. <laughs> there's no break. There's no holiday. It's actually just seen as a really strong um, commercial opportunity, if I use those words in a really negative sense, um, that fraudsters can, uh, you know, prey on the goodwill, the behaviour, the morality of what's, uh, you know, kind of good people. And um, yeah, there was a there was a report by Action Fraud that came out end of May. So bearing in mind, this would have only been for a couple of months, but even highlighting then over four and a half million pound worth of fraud in the UK, just specifically related to the COVID situation you know, well over 10,000 victims. And I think um, that just amplifies that this sort of situation just um, isn't going away. And uh, I think it's right, therefore, that security and fraud prevention remains um, uh, towards the top of the boardroom list of topics. Yeah, you almost took the words out of my mouth there when you said that, um, you know, unfortunately, in, in situations of gravity and um, you'd like to think that humanity will, will bring people together. People see opportunity there to exploit the, the weaknesses of humankind. And it's quite a worrying statistic that I noticed was that over half of businesses view financial losses. Uh, part and parcel of running the business, or I suppose uh, a cost of doing business, if if you prefer to term it that way. Um, what are your thoughts on that comment, James? Um, it's it's almost a bit of a worrying statistic. I I, I agree with that. Um, 
I'm not surprised though. Um, we've almost there's a danger that we've almost become a bit numb to it, and the fact that and you use that phrase, it's the cost of doing business. You know, we're we're baking businesses are baking fraud into um, you know the or the risk of fraud, the risk of fraud losses. Um, into their costs, and ultimately, all of that just kind of gets passed on to um, gets passed on to people that are buying, um, and that's a really sorry state of affairs. I think so. It's fifty eight percent of businesses that view financial losses, you know, part and parcel of running the business. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it all right that we we're kind of living with that stat. And I think. Um, and by the way, I don't think that many organisations are, are comfortable with that. I think it's a really honest kind of response as to where we are in the industry and as a, as a whole um, that we haven't quite got to grips with 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 solving it yet. And I think um, yes, there are differences depending on your size of organisation. And um, you know, I think just to add to the woes for a moment. Um, you know, 47% um, feel that there's little that they can do to recover those, the funds that get stolen. Um, but on the positive side, if we're to look at the future, over two thirds, so 69% of organisations do think, do think that there's more to mitigate against the fraud risk. So I, I do believe that this is you know, it's great to see the kind of opinion and the view of hundreds of organisations across Great Britain that, that kind of give us this great insight into what's going on um, across the economy. And and clearly, you know, the majority of people aren't happy that, <laughs> that we're baking fraud costs in. But the good news is, is that we believe that there's more that can be done to mitigate it. So the the, the future um, can only be better. I suppose it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Much like insurance, no one uh, wants to think that they'll be involved in an accident, but you you put steps in place to make sure that should it happen, that there's something that you can do to protect yourself. Definitely. And I, I think, Rich, um, on that point, I remember a few years back, it was always a question of, um, you know, the debates were, are we going to be impacted by fraud? And then it, it moved from it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And then and then that has transformed to how many times am I going to be impacted? So I think that level of certainty is just kind of it's just it's just, you know, it's expected. Right. Um, so it's a question of how many times am I going to get defrauded and how many times can I can I actually make sure that I can um, you know catch it before it becomes an issue? Sure, and, and and an awareness of the the fact that it it is inevitable to a certain extent it is uh, is a good a good trend to see. And while we're talking about trends, we we've seen that year on year there's been an increase in the number of successful attempts made to to defraud a business through various tactics. Now, is that a trend that's uh, been consistent in this year's report, or have we seen any changes? Well, actually, the the percentage has dropped, so it's gone from forty five percent to thirty four percent. So if you look at those in in kind of in in percentage drop terms, it's about a quarter. Um, so that's that's good. Um, that's actually a uh, that's a that's a positive response to this year's survey. But I I would um, 
kind of caveat that it, it's it's um, whilst it's down, the hit value is actually up. So organisations that are being hit, whilst there is whilst there has been less hit um, in percentage terms year over year, the values that they're getting hit by have actually have actually gone up. So that so people are losing more. Okay, so that's not particularly great news, but uh, just to, to move away from the percentiles, although they're clearly important, let's put some monetary figures on this. What have this year's financial losses to, to fraud been looking like based on the report that we did this year? Yeah, so small businesses rich, they're losing uh, 14% more than uh, this time last year. So that's now just under £100,000. Um, and I think you've got to ask yourself, you know, a hundred thousand pound, that is pretty significant, irrespective of the size of the business, let alone a small business. Um, so that's that's increased by by 14%. Medium and large organizations, they've actually been hit harder. So that's 33 and 38% harder than um than the previous year, 2019. Um, and a large organization. You know, just to put that into context, that's now set to look um, an average of uh, of £263,000, set to lose £263,000. And 54% of large organisations say there is little that we can do to recover the loss. Um, So, you know, let's just put some of those things in context. You've got... um, you got the fraud incidents dropping, which is good. Um, that means we're catching more because um, I don't believe for one minute that the fraudsters are slowing up. If anything, they're, they're increasing, they're ratcheting up. So we're getting better. But uh, and, and it is important that the that the fraud values themselves. You know, when we're talking about just under one hundred thousand pounds for small businesses, quarter of a million for large organisations. These are not insignificant sums. So it's, it's a good point, James, because you mentioned that £100,000 is significant of a business of any value, of any size. So is there any trend in the, the scale of organisation and the amount they're being defrauded at the moment? Yeah, actually, enterprise organisations dropped. Um, the incidents dropped around 13% and um, they're losing around 4% less. So you know, it's not all, it's not all bad news, but I think it's important to kind of look at these things directionally. So, you know, small, mid, large businesses getting hit more, enterprise organisations are able to, you know, arguably act, um, whether it's a little bit quicker, uh, whether it's having different types of defences in place, I think there's something there that's going on that's, um, that the rest of the uh, rest of the community and industry should uh, should certainly be looking at. So let's dig into that in a, in a little bit more detail. Um, any any fraud of any kind or any scale is clearly something that uh, you want to to reduce the the impact of. Uh, so what are these larger enterprise organisations doing, and can that be replicated across the board for even the smaller companies? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good point because. I think there's there's things that organizations can do irrespective of the size. But there's certainly um, a couple of measures that 
enterprise organisations, based on the report, and we see this year on year, Rich, but based on the report this year, seem to be doing, if I you know, kind of use the phrase better than some of the others, um, than some of the other sizes. So 27% of enterprise, enterprise size organisations are using automated employee behaviour and compare that to 18% of small businesses. That's that's quite a difference, actually. So, you know, nearly you're coming up to nearly a third, just over a quarter of enterprise organisations using some degree of employee user behaviour monitoring. Um, and 57% of enterprise organisations are using bank account validation and verification. And I think I just sort of say two things to those, to those items. One is um, it's actually a lot more affordable than organisations, irrespective of size, will think it is. The technologies have been around for quite a while. Access to the technology across the industry, there's a number of players out there that will help and support those those areas. And certainly bottom line as a, as a payments and fraud and financial crime provider, you know, that's something that we've been doing um, for a while and we see all sizes of organisations using it. Um, just related to that in the employee behaviour piece, if you think about the the climate we're currently in with COVID, you've got employees in charge of payments, treasury, um, payroll, everyone's working at home. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's a fraudster. That, that's not what I'm saying. But it is important, and we've always said this year on year, that, that you've got the right balance in check between believing that all your threats are on the outside versus what's on the inside. And, and it's, um, you know, I think solutions like employee behavior monitoring, it's not just about um, being a big brother and, and checking, you know, fraud isn't happening on the inside. It's also being supportive of the employees that are involved in, um, in pushing payments around the community and making sure that, um, you know, there, there's no kind of um, coercion going on um that uh, people on the outside aren't influencing people on the inside so it, it's pretty it's pretty helpful with that and that's the thing in terms of being helpful um we're, we're generally uh, a species which is is very prone to to wanting there's a desire to help people and that's what the foresters take advantage of we're more vulnerable and more more aware of the care need in the community right now particularly due to covid which gives a, a bigger opportunity for, for people to exploit that, uh, that, that nurturing, caring response that we are naturally uh, predetermined to do. Now, now, you mentioned validation and verification earlier, and, and that's certainly not something new, uh, particularly to bottom line. Now, there's a fairly new initiative that's been launched called Confirmation of Payee. Are they the same thing or, or is there a bit, more, uh, a bit more difference between those two, two items? Yeah, so confirmation of payee is actually an industry initiative. Um, you'll also hear it abbreviated as, as COP or COP. Um, it actually came about as a consequence of a um, witch super complaint um, a few years back. And it's kind of the industry's response to, uh, to that super complaint. And it's basically about authorised push payment fraud losses, which is the fastest growing fraud um activity certainly within the uk 
450 million pounds in in 2019 and you know we're set to smash that in 2020 um what it, it what it's about is 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 knowing who you're paying um when you're making uh kind of retail payments that's kind of the phase one of it so you've got when when you and i are making payments um through your through your mobile app um depending on the bank um because it's a it's a um it's a scheme that's that's kind of based on um you know kind of voluntary momentum in in the main but we're we're certainly expecting um to see you know more banks sign up to this it gives you a prompt to say are you sure that you're paying the right person based on putting the name in place um so the sort code and the account number are kind of really helpful in making the payment and the account name is actually not used at all um, in today's world. And what confirmation of payee does is it joins together the account name and says that, that Rich Williams actually is linked to this sort code and account number or could be linked. Um, this is really helpful because fraudsters are out there taking full advantage of the fact that the account name doesn't have to match um, when it's going through faster payments or uh, direct into backs. The so that's confirmation of pay rich. The challenge is that it's a multi-year initiative, isn't fully mandatory, is based on voluntary action by the banking community. And whilst you know we we fully applaud the top six that have signed up for this and um, and and supporting its retail customers, um, you've got to think. Well, what about the rest of the what about the rest of the economy? What about the corporates? And what bottom line have been doing is offering validation and verification services to help with these sorts of um, kind of questions about who am I paying at various points in the payment process? And we've been doing that for a few years now. And um, it's great that we're fully supportive of confirmation of payee and we'll certainly be supporting our customers with that over time as it all gets rolled out um, into uh, um, into the into the wider economy. Now, I believe that the the awareness of that initiative, and as you said, it's a, a multi-year approach. Uh, we, we found that only half of the people surveyed actually heard of COP, uh, which is a fairly worrying statistic. So is it just that there's a, a lack of education out there or are there more nuanced uh, things going on here in the background? Yeah, I, I think this is a real challenge because if you think about the payments industry, I don't. I've, I've been in this industry for over fifteen years, and I think there's been more change in the last three than there has in the previous fifteen. Um, and a lot of individuals are kind of having to keep track of what's actually changing. Um, and if you're if you kind of see payments as you know it's almost a bit back office it doesn't really you know the changes in the payment infrastructure don't really feel like they um but like they affect you um it's actually a moment to kind of lift up and look at what is going on across the industry not just to continue to make sure that you're going to be able to make payments the same way but actually there are new services coming out which give you the option for you know far greater competitive differentiation 
the problem or the challenge is how um, this information is absorbed by organisations. So how do people keep up to date with the latest information and the latest trends? So, you know, it is it is quite worrying that not many organisations uh, take the stat about small businesses. One in five haven't heard of request to pay. Um, confirmation of payee and enhanced data. And these are three really interesting services that could completely transform how a small business thinks and operates and services services its customers. So it's not just about payments being an operational back-end activity. These new initiatives can actually change how an organization structures its behavior with its customers and use it to its advantage. So um, it's, it is a challenge as to how people keep up to date and educated on it. Um, but certainly enterprise organisations, uh, and you probably expect it, they're, they're a little bit more savvy on the whole in keeping up to date with, um, with some of those latest trends. But we're part of the industry. And I've got to say, you know, it's so much jargon, so much buzzword um, conversations that, that take place and we end up being a bit immune to it. So it's it's helpful to have the reminder, frankly, that uh, that businesses don't always remember what you're talking about. And we, we've got our own part to play in making sure that, that people understand it. So aside from a resource such as this podcast itself, how else can businesses better educate themselves about what's going on in the environment, James? So I think what's what's been shown um, quite high up, actually, as a as a as a response in the barometer, is that businesses do rely on their banks um, for information, for up to date information, and and that's fine. That's absolutely fine, and we'd really, you know, welcome people to, you know, think about where they're getting their sources of information from. And actually, if you use just your bank, think about, um, like, what if you're multi-banked? Are your, is your bank actually um, joined up with the latest services that are coming, uh, coming down the line? Um, because, dare I say it, not all of them are. Um, and I, I'm not to say the banks are doing a bad job. I think, actually, the banks, banks are doing a brilliant job. It's, it's a tough gig to get education out on latest services. And what you've got to bear in mind is that some of the services might be eating into some of the bank's lunch money. So do will you know will the banks be advertising everything or will they be advertising things that kind of make sense to them to keep their clients? And I think this is where the savvy um, uh, the savvy kind of business leader, the savvy financial professionals, the savvy treasurer, will be looking at multiple sources. I think, um, you know, it's great that Bottom Line do the the, the payments podcast. Um, and I think there are many sources like that. Clearly, none as good as Bottom Line's payment podcast, Rich. But, um, but there are, <laughs> but, you know, it really is important that people look for other other sources of information, not just the bank. So organisations like Bottom Line, brilliant. We've got to keep doing our bit. Um, find some other trusted payment partners that are really kind of 
you know, whether on LinkedIn, um, we're on Twitter, um, whether you're, you know, getting podcast information, some do videos. It's a much more open community than it, than it ever used to be. Um, and you don't have to be a client in order to get access to the information. It's much more, it's seen much more freely available now. And, um, and I think that's great. Um, so you mentioned the banks there. So that's a, a fitting time to move on to, to sanction screening. Uh, now, for the last through, uh, for the last few years, uh, the subject of financial crime has been increasing amongst corporate businesses. And back in 2019, we discovered that little under three quarters of financial decision makers agreed that responsibility for sanction screening lies with the banks solely. Now, did this year's results show the same outcome or are people changing their mindset on that point, James? Now, I love this question that goes to the uh, goes goes to the respondents. Um, and I've been watching this very closely uh, over the last few years. And I, I'm, I and the reason why is that I've been a really firm believer in the last few years that what goes to the banks goes to the corporates. And it's only a question of time. So. Um, Sanctions in this in this year's report, the question was, as you said, you know, about the discovery that little under three quarters of financial decision makers agreed that it was the responsibility of the banks to do it. Um, and in this year, so let's flip that for a second. So the, that the inverse is to say that a quarter believed that that they should take some responsibility. And this year, it's gone up from a quarter to 56%. Um, so what it's showing is that um, you've gone from a quarter of organisations that believe they should take more responsibility to half believing that they should take more responsibility in the sanctions checking. Now, this, I think, is, is a really interesting point because um, I think organisations are waking up to the fact that the banks are always going to do it. That's not going to change. But you would far rather get insight to whether or not you're paying a criminal or a sanctioned entity before the money goes out the door. And part of the reason for that is that if you make the call and you catch it early, then you're not going to the money is not leaving your account. The money is staying with you. As soon as you start pushing it out and the banks pick it up, they may well catch it, but you're then into a process of the bank's kind of sanctions response team looking at what's happened. And um, number one, nothing's ever completely um, guaranteed. And it's the organization's responsibility to make sure that they're not paying sanctions entities. Um, if the money goes out the door, and they're paying a sanctioned entity, you're not talking about fraud, okay? You're talking about a financial crime. You're, and financial crime as a consequence. You could now be fined. You could go to jail. And I think, you know, this is certainly an area that we've been looking at over the last few years because we work with banks, we work with corporates, and we've certainly been seeing more, um, co more corporates take responsibility for sanctions checking before the payments go out the door. And we've seen that year on year. And I, I was really pleased and encouraged to see um, you know, half of uh, the corporate 
respondents saying that they felt that they that there's, they should have more responsibility to um, to sanctions check. So I think that's a that's a really great kind of encouragement, um, and we've seen that go go year on year, Rich. Now, we were talking earlier about the incidence of uh, fraudulent attempts and uh, we, we chopped that down into size. And I'll ask the same question again or a very similar one. Um, how does what you've described depend on the size of the organisation in question? Yeah, so I think you'd probably expect it. But enterprise organisations um, responded with 79% saying that they were willing to take on more responsibility compared to small organisations saying 62%. But I've got to be honest, 62 percent, that's that's a lot higher than I was expecting to see. I think it's I think it's all directionally great. And the, the, the theme for me that's growing and continues to be the trend year on year is that is that organizations want to be more in control of their money. They want to be more in control of their own destiny. They want to be more in control of knowing who they pay. And it's not just about knowing whether they're paying a fraudster. They also want to get greater insight earlier on whether they're paying a financial criminal. And, and they want to make sure that they're, they're, you know, they are doing their part with, um, uh, with, with, with playing by the legalities as they, as they should. It's not just the bank's responsibility. So larger responses coming back from enterprise organizations, which is great. I think all of this is is a you know it's it's a willingness underpinned by regulation um that's certainly the case for enterprise organizations who will have teams um responsible for understanding regulation understanding the governance around payments but for smaller organizations i don't think it's as much about the regulation i think it's about their reputational risk it's about their understanding of commercial losses, um, and as I said before, just wanting to be more in control of knowing who they pay. James, thanks once again for giving us a, a bit of insight today into the fraudulent or anti-fraud statistics, if you like, into uh, the 2020 Business Payments Barometer, uh, and no doubt we'll see you at some point again on the podcast in the near future. Thanks, Rich. So if you're interested in reading the full 2020 Business Payments Barometer, you can download it from the allnewbottomline.com website. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. In the meantime, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. And we will see you all next time. Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.